Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hi there, this is Ketrin and Kim from Kim and Kat Stay Alive, maybe coming soon to dread Howling Village. That was a good one. Thank you. From the visionary director of The Grudge and The Grudge 2 comes Howling Village. Where, after her brother goes missing, a young psychologist visits an infamous haunted and cursed location known as Howling Village. Why are you doing that to yourself? <laughs> no. To investigate his disappearance. Oh, that's right. And uncover her family's <gasps> dark history. Oh, What's on our family? Howling Village will be available on demand everywhere on August 17th and on Blu-ray September 14th. Hey, Sammies, it's Ketrin. Our episode this week is another live show that we recorded earlier this year. We will be back with our regular episode September 1st, so we will see you then. Before we get into the episode, I actually wanted to take a minute to talk to you guys about a little movie that Eric and I were privileged enough to go get to see. Um, go get to see? Get to go see. Get to go see. There it is. Gosh, when Kim's not here, I can't, I can't talk right. They're not even asking us to talk about this. I just thought it was really great and want you guys to go watch it. Uh, it's called Faking a Murderer. It's directed by Stu Stone, written by Stu Stone and Adam Rodness, and then also starring Stu Stone and Adam Rodness. It's out on VOD and digital platforms everywhere. Again, it's called Faking a Murderer. And for those of you that love true crime, true crime documentaries, one in particular, uh, this is definitely a movie for you. I actually don't even want to tell you like that much about it. What I will say is that it was equal parts really familiar and also really refreshing, the take on it that these two guys had. So go and watch this. Again, it's called Faking a Murder. It's out on VOD and digital platforms everywhere. Eric and I got to go see it. We're telling you it's good. Go watch it. Okay, here's our show. Bye, Sammies. Dread Podcast Network presents... Oh, come on, you know I don't watch that shit. Why not? Too scared. No, no, it's just, what's the point? They're all the same. Some stupid killer stalking some big-breasted girl who can't act who's always running up the stairs when she should be going out the front door. It's insulting.
So, hi, everybody. Welcome for the fourth live Barbell Imaginings KK Sam podcasting extravaganza. My name is Miguel Rodriguez. I uh, host the festival. We're going we're gonna to keep this short and sweet. I just wanted to introduce Lauren Cup here, who will be with you in the chat. So, hi, Lauren. Hey, we're already having a good time talking about one-way, two-way mirrors. Excellent. Yes, one-way, two-way mirrors. Uh, hopefully, we'll have more um, wackiness like that with our hosts. Kim and Kat, join us. Hello. Hello. Hey. Hey, guys. Thanks we're for here. doing this. Hi. Yeah. We love doing this. I know. I look forward to it every month now. Every month. Every month. So now um, you can't get rid of us. Ever. <laughs> <No. laughs> it, it is a, it's a contagion I will never cure. Um, so we're going to, I think by this point, we kind of know what the deal is, but I'm going to have you explain yep. it anyway. But before we do that, um, Lauren and I are going to go on mute and stop our video, but we want to hear all about what's coming up March 1st. <sighs> Oh, uh, very yes. exciting. So that let's start with that. So as if one podcast was not enough for us, we decided that we needed a second one. Ms. Burns, why don't you tell the folks what it's all about? It's called Kim and Kat's Survive the Cellar. It's a hard trivia game show where guests come on and have to survive. We'll try to escape really a serial killer cellar. And it's yeah. lots of fun and silliness like our normal show. Yeah. Spoiler alert. We did not escape. So we are no. ghost hosts yeah. of the show. Unfortunately. Yeah. Well, well, or fortunately. I don't know. Yeah. It's not that I mean, bad. We can't, we can't die again. So <laughs> I guess we're really in the best shape of anyone else in the basement. That's so. very true. Yeah. So that's that comes out. Our first episode comes out March 1st. So Monday. Monday. Yeah, our uh, first guests are um, the hosts, the co-hosts of Friday the 13th podcast, if anyone has heard of that. Um, they're also our new Dread Podcast Network siblings, which is very exciting. Yeah, so we're super stoked for that. And those will be out every other Monday, starting this Monday. And yeah. then regular old KK Sam is still out every Wednesday. Right? Yeah. Is that when our episode comes out? Yeah, Wednesday. Wednesdays. And for anyone who hasn't seen or doesn't know what KK Sam is, it's Kim and Kat's Stay Alive. Maybe we are a horror movie comedy podcast. I really blanked out on words for a second there. Yeah. Horror movie comedy podcast. Um, we tell you the entirety of a movie, spoilers and all, and we play a game to see how we would stay alive, which is yeah. what we're going to do tonight. Yeah. So normally in our regular episodes, it's one of us telling the entirety of a movie that the other one hasn't seen uh, to one of us. Uh, but we do a truncated version of that for this. So each Kim and I are going to each Kim and I each Kim and Kim, I Kim and I both are going to each tell the other one uh, an episode of a horror TV show tonight. Yes. Yes. Very exciting. Should we get started? Is that? Let's, let's do it. Okay. Here we go. I'm assuming I'm going first. Always. Great. I'm very excited for this. Um, <laughs> so Miguel has uh, graciously assigned us some shows. So neither one of us have any idea 
what each Kim and Ket is doing. No, and I will say this. This is my favorite one that he has ever assigned me. And you will find out why immediately. So, oh, I can guess. What's your guess? It's a bonus point if you're correct. Uh, It has to do with like a a castle-y home, like hearth room thing that you would like want to jack off to. That maybe (laughs) holy crap! That is a great guess. Okay. All right. So <laughs> I will let you know if you are correct momentarily. I All right. You well. Should we start with a little Gina holes out? We definitely should. Gina holes out. Tits up. Cheers. My wonderful, amazing husband, roommate, producer uh, made me a delightful gin and tonic. Oh, look at you, fan. <laughs> Who are what? Well, you'll see a G and T. Yeah. Well, you'll see once I start telling you my episode, it made me feel very upper crusty. Oh, excuse me. You're excused. Um, Okay. Are you ready, ma'am? I'm so ready. Okay. Miguel assigned me an episode of The Veil. It is, it was on for uh, one season. Okay. And it is black and white from the 1950s. Ooh, 50s. Look at this. And this one is episode 10. Uh, I'm not going to tell you the name of the episode just because it's a little bit of a spoiler. So, okay. It was directed by David McDonald, screenplay by Michael Plant. Uh, It's starring Boris Karloff, Niall McGuinness, Dorothy Allison, and... Very special shout out to the cast member who was like an under five. Um, and she was credited as fat woman. Oh, even though her character, I can tell you, had nothing to do with her being <laughs> overweight at all. But poor Ms. May Bacon, which is an unfortunate last name, <laughs> being that she was credited as fat woman. Um I feel that she deserved a special shout out because there is no fat shaming on KK Sam. Thank you for that. This telling of the veil is dedicated to you, Ms. May May Bacon. Bacon. All right, here we go. Dead or deceased? Walter. Deceased. Is deceased dead or is deceased alive? I hear what I did there. (laughs) I feel like a trick is being played on me. No, no. I hear what I did there. (laughs) Deceased or alive is what I meant. Perfect. (laughs) Uh, Walter handle that. Walter is deceased. Okay. Judith. Alive. Inspector. Alive. Dr. Willerton. Alive. Uh, Mrs. Willerton. Deceased. All right. Are you ready, chap? Ready. Here we go, governor. Um, I apologize ahead of time. There's going to be a <laughs> oh, lot no. of British accents. Um, great. And Only if they're it. as great as the one you just did. <laughs> <laughs> they're all going to be perfect. Okay. So you also received a bonus point. 
<laughs> because we open in the most beautiful goddamn castly fucking hearth room <laughs> I have ever goddamn seen. It is a straight up castle and the hearth is so large that when Boris Karloff is standing in front of it, the flame is over his head. Wow. What? Yeah. That's, that's, it was bonkers. Wow. I, that's a little bit of a terrifying hearth. I'm not going to lie. I don't think I want a fireplace with fire taller than me. Honestly, I hear you. And I get that I'm like a hearth professional. So like we wouldn't, you know, we, this isn't for hearth novices is what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm Um, just saying that you almost light your house on fire constantly. I wouldn't trust you with this either. Oh, I do constantly. And And myself zero hearth. Oh yeah. No hearth constantly lighting shit on fire. That's not supposed to be on fire, but you know what? We're all still alive and well. So are you ready to dive into this? Uh Boris Karloff is uh, the narrator, if you will. And oddly enough, he normally appeared in every single episode playing another character as well as the narrator, except for this episode. Um, So he stuck to just being the narrator for this. And he says, good evening. Tonight, I'm going to tell you another strange and unusual story of the unexplainable from behind the veil. Ever since man was first able to think, he has tried to find reasons for those happenings that he has been unable to explain. Yet, even today, with the knowledge of our universe which we have amassed, despite the myths that we have exploded, there are still areas about which we know nothing. The world beyond our understanding. The world behind the veil. Our story tonight concerns the dark and violent circumstances surrounding one of the most famous criminals in history. Oh my. Walter Durst was a normal citizen of his time, a man completely average in all respects. All respects. But one. All right. So now, cut to a lovely married couple in their drawing room. So not a hearth room. It's not where you would go after dinner. This is where you might eat your breakfast and read the paper, which is exactly what they're doing. Um, And they are in old timey clothes. They're in like 1700s type of clothes. Okay. Okay. And the wife is reading the paper, Judith, And uh, she's complaining that the advertisement that they put in the paper for her husband's clairvoyant services is too small. Right. Now, her husband is sitting there and he is sort of only half listening to her because he is like, I had another dream. And he seems pretty like bummed about it. And uh, Judith is still just like paper in front of her, like, oh, listen to all these fun things that are happening in the paper and gossip and gossip and tea and tea. And he's like, damn it, listen to me. And she's like, (laughs) oh, I'm so sorry. I had no idea you were so upset, dear. And he's like, am I really a clairvoyant? And she's like, we know you are. And he's like, I wish I wasn't. And then (laughs) this wife, I love her to death. She goes, well, we have to make a living, and I'm not sure you'd be good at anything else. 
Hey, I mean, you know, do honesty, what you're good at. Honesty is the best policy. And it's also like, I don't know that there's a ton of like other clairvoyance in town. So it's one of those yeah. things where it's like, if you have a monopoly on the market, like that's what you go Fair for. You know what I'm saying? Black. Yeah. So, but I guess like he has dreams that are, are like not super pleasant. So he's like, uh, he's like, I had another dream last night. Um, you know, I predicted the diphtheria outbreak. I predicted this other shit. Oh and my. last night I saw murder. Eh, oh no. And so he's like, I had a really odd feeling like something inside my head was like trying to tell me something. Uh, and he's like, and then I hear like a really odd sound. So now he's narrating it, but we're like watching his dream. We okay. don't see him. We basically like just see his hand in the frame, just his hand in the frame. And he's kind of like leading us around okay. and, uh, he's like, I'm walking along an alley at the East end. And he's like, I could hear no sound, but my own breathing. And he's like, and so now we're in the alley with him. And he's like, I knew I wanted to save the woman, but I didn't know I didn't want to see what was happening to her. So, like basically, he just like had a feeling that the murder was happening. Okay. Then all of a I sudden hate feelings like that. I hate murder feelings. I really <laughs> do. Worst. So then we see like two other people in his dream, and like a man like shuffles off and leaves a woman lying dead in the alley. This mother. And, uh, he's like, so that now his hand like keeps floating and he's like, so then I found myself like floating to the terrible drinking house. And I was like, terrible drinking house. All of these people look like a blast. Like we went past and I was like, I will join you for a G and T. You Wait, look so fun. He called it the terrible drinking house. Literally. <laughs> I, I, I get that's the sense. where he thinks the murderer hangs out. No, it's because it's the lower class people that go. Oh, I'm so sorry. Excuse me. I didn't yeah. understand. So, I don't understand because I don't know any of the rooms in your home or your right. super tall fire. Right. And it's called. also confusing because like the terrible drinking place is like the only places that we drank when we could go to bars. Right. Yeah. I'm so sorry that my fire is only the size of my knees. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like terrible drinking place and uh he's like i knew like i had this feeling that i needed to pay attention to the time so like he like like camera like on the clock in the terrible drinking place uh and the light at the corner of the lane seemed to draw me to it so that i could specifically see the road sign like what alley i'm in ooh, 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 yay and the road sign says bucks Row E. So Bucks Road East. Bucks Road East. And okay. yeah. So now we're back in the morning room with Judith, the wife. And uh, Walter is like, so Bucks Row. And he's like, I never heard of it. And I'm like, why have you? Oh, you haven't heard of it because you're really high class and your heart goes above your head. You've oh, just never been there. They've never okay. been there. Right. So he's like, I've never even seen this street before. That's where I live. And he, we all live on Bucks Row. Like basically, like if you're here, you probably live on Bucks Row. <laughs> <laughs> we 
rude. <laughs> we don't, we might have some tall fire people here. Uh, I'm saying because they're all really fun. They're the ones uh, who would all be hanging out at the terrible drinking place. Cool. Okay. Mm. Okay. So he's like, I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to do with the information. Judith is still kind of like, she's kind of like half listening. Like he definitely has like lots of dreams, you know? And so sure, she's, sure, sure, she, sure, and sure, she's sure, concerned. Sure. She's got her whole like business manager wife situation going where she's like, we need to get that dollar dollar with your coins. And this right. ad is too small. And so then she's like, well, why should your dream mean anything? Sometimes it's just a dream, just a bad dream. And you did eat all of that lobster last night. (laughs) (laughs) I hate lobster dreams. God, you never can trust a lobster dream. I I can tell you for sure that Judith is drinking tea with her breakfast this morning (laughs) because she is throwing it. So uh, then the wife, uh, so Walter's like, no, I really, really feel like it means something. Judith is still reading the paper, but then she starts reading an article out loud. And she's like, wait a minute. She's like, taxi driver who was returning to his lodgings in Whitechapel found a woman in the gutter with her throat slit. I identified as so-and-so, can't remember her name, a woman with an unfortunate reputation. That was written in the paper. Once again. Yeah. <laughs> she hung out. Where did she with hang us. out with him? Yeah, she hung out with us. <laughs> with us. With the other women of unfortunate reputations. At the at the drinking at the place. The terrible drinking place. The terrible drinking place. The short fire. Yes, exactly. So where all of the unfortunate reputationed people hang out. So she keeps reading and she's like, last seen alive, but very drunk, just oh. before 2:30. <laughs> and I was like, is it? Is it me? Was it me? Was I? (laughs) Where am I? And so then she keeps reading and apparently the police surgeon. So like the coroner, I guess. Police doctor. Police doctor. Yeah. I wasn't sure if that was just like a level of police in old times. No, like, like literally, detective, lieutenant, yeah, pol- police. Oh, I see what you thought. I see what you thought. But he's like a doctor for the police. Yes, he appears to be like the doctor for the place and not the doctor to the police, the doctor that like the coroner, the coroner. Yeah. So uh, like and so the police surgeon was like, in addition to the throat cut, the body had also been, oh, it's too terrible because Judith isn't a woman of unfortunate reputation. So like she's very, you know, she can't be exposed to such terrible facts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She just hides behind her fire. So then Walter says, where was it? <gasps> she looks down. Where was it, Kim? It was East Row, Row East. It I'll was, give you a clue. Your favorite Buck dog. East. Who Bucky. was your favorite? Buck, Buck Row East. Buck Row East. There you go. Hey, we're a great team. We are. So uh, the newspaper says it was clearly a surgeon or the police surgeon is like, it was clearly a surgeon because of like how the cuts were done. Okay. okay, okay. And the cuts look the same as the person who murdered Martha. So-and-so three weeks ago. Oh shit. Question one, what do you do? And what does Judith tell Walter to do? So I'm Judith. 
You are Judith. Okay. I think she wants that dollar dollar. So she's going to be like, yo, tell the police that they should hire you as their police clairvoyant and mm-hmm. solve this murder. This hand okay. in hand. And, oh, hand in hand. Sure. I don't know. You are starting off with a double ding, my bitch. So, yeah. So, Judith is like, you got to go to the police. Okay. And so, uh, (laughs) fucking Judith. Then then she goes, there can't be any motive for killing these terrible women. So, the man must be mad. Fuck you, Judith. Fuck you, Judith. I have plenty of reasons to be murdered, (laughs) ma'am. Judith. So. uh, She's like, you might be able to prevent more murders. Um, Oh, and then I wrote, just like you said, has a couple dollar signs in her eyeballs. Uh, And she's like, it is the duty of everyone to bend towards justice. Save countless young lives. Then fucking Walter steps in with the shade and he goes, well, they were hardly young. And I was like, what? Rude. These motherfuckers are calling us old and horrible, horrible, and, and, terrible, and bad, no good, very bad reputations. Things. Yeah, very rude. So then she's so Walter's like, okay, you're right. As usual. And I was like, I like this relationship. And uh, she's like, think of the publicity. So now we cut to the police station. And Walter goes in and he's like, I have info about the murder. And the, uh, the constable that's there is like, okay, I bet you do. <laughs> and Walter like hands him his card that just says clairvoyant on it. Like mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, I'm a clairvoyant. And the constable goes, okay, well, you can go sit over there with the rest of them. And he looks over and it's this fucking like smorgasbord of misfits that are all just like, I see it in my crystal ball. And I know the reward is a hundred, but I'll tell you for 50. Oh, maybe he doesn't hold the market. Apparently not. So uh, that's where we learn that the papers are calling him. The Buck Row East terrible drinking place murderer. Oh my God. God, You are so, so fucking close. You are so, so close to Jack the Ripper. (laughs) That's what I, that's what I said. That's what Jack the Ripper. That's what I heard. That's what I heard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, Walter doesn't want to be (laughs) Buck the Ripper. Jeffrey Alderman says, Buck the Ripper, Jack's less successful brother. (laughs) So, (laughs) so Walter, being a wealthy white man in the 1700s, is like, no, I am the one who has the answer. And he's like, I saw the whole thing in a dream. And the constable's not having it. So he's like, you know, my wife, she used to keep me up all the time with her crazy dreams. So I got her some slumber pills. That shut her right up. <laughs> I know. Slumber I don't pills. I know how to reply to that. <laughs> that just sounds like a 1700s roofie. It sounds like you're just roofieing your wife every a night. Roofie. Yeah. It's 100% a roofie. Slumber pills. 
So shut that bitch up. Yeah. So Durst is miffed and Walter Durst is miffed. And he's like, well, I'm leaving. Good morning, sir. And like, he goes to go out the door, but then our friend may bacon, AKA fat woman comes in with her daughter and she goes in and she's like, my daughter saw all of it. There was a burst of green ectoplasm and blah, blah, what? blah, blah, blah. Walter hears all this and he's like, charlatan, charlatan, and leaves. <laughs> so buster shit up in here. All right. I was like, is ectoplasm Ming? If you could, if you could tell us the origin of <laughs> ectoplasm, ectoplasm, please. Thank you. I thought that was a made up by the Ghostbusters, but apparently not. Because I can give some. Uh... I can enlighten on the on the please ectoplasm. Please tell us no, about that ectoplasm. was not invented by Ghostbusters at all. Um, there was a this is very fascinating. If you ever want to read on it, <clears throat> in the um, late eighteen hundreds and early nineteen hundreds, one of the kind of unintended consequences of the Enlightenment, which was a move away from classical religion was a very big interest in the occult amongst uh, aristocratic people or very well-to-do people. Hence Aleister Crawley being all up in this piece. Kaboom, yes, precisely. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, notions of ectoplasm extend back at least that far as a, wow. a way to, partly, you know, there's no real record of where that uh, term originated but the best uh, idea, and the one that I think is most likely, is uh, it was a real easy way for charlatans to have some kind of uh, proof, right? Some kind of residue of ghostly activity, oh. which was a physical manifestation of ghostly essence. And it was, was slime. It was slime. slime. Yeah, basically. they were. They were they were doing you can't do that on television sliming everybody. It was double dare, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Uh I got it. Great, thank you. And and I will end by saying, "What do you think's in the burgers?" (laughs) All right, so here we go. So now we cut back to the heart to the hearth. Oh, to the hearth room. Yes, we're back in the hearth room with Boris Um, because he he's like narrating and he's like, Mm -hmm. "Listen, the town was." shook okay like every it was deserted by nightfall women were to go nowhere without a man because um windows were boarded up uh no one treats each other nicely because they're all like you're the ripper no you're the ripper no you're the ripper rewards mount all cops are on duty um to no avail the man they seek may as well have been a ghost. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. So now we cut back to Walter Durst walking down the road, daytime, coming to his house on the sidewalk, and he stops outside of his door and kind of like, like covers his eyes, like he's f- like feeling something or seeing something. Okay, yeah, yeah. And we see that he's having a, a vision of a man running away from a body on the street, and then all of a sudden. Boris, Boris call Walter's hand in the vision is now holding something that I couldn't really tell what it was, but it looked bloody because um, it's black and white. So it was like, you know, gray blood. Sure, sure, sure. And holding something in his hands. Cut to him 
him looking at his hand in real time and there is blood on it. <gasps> uh, ectoplasm blood. Ectoplasm blood that crossed over from vision to reality. So he is running in to tell Judith what's up. Judith is still in the drawing room. So he shows Judith the blood on his hand. Uh-huh. Question two, what do you decide to do and what do they decide to do? Hmm. This is a tough one. I, mm-hmm. it's not like we can like, Police, test the DNA on my <laughs> on my hand, please. Right. Yeah. Um, what do I decide to do? I've got blood on my hand. Mm-hmm. And what it's do what I do, do they hand? decide to do? Okay, they have blood on their hand. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Maybe they hold like a seance or something with the blood of... Uh... <laughs> I don't know why I'm just throwing out ideas. What do I do with okay. blood? <laughs> um, well, what, what do you do with blood? What are you going to do with blood? What's my goal? I'm going to wash it off and uh, go on with my life. <laughs> if your goal is to stay alive, bitch, you're staying alive. You just hang I out in that get drawing with, room with Buck the Ripper. No, you don't. You have you have other things on your on your terrible drinking place schedule with your unfortunate reputation. Yeah. So this time. Judith uh, starts wiping off the blood and she's like, dude, that was your own blood like you fucking like cut into your own hand in your vision. Walter and Walter is like, I'm going to Scotland Yard. And he's like, I saw it. She was clutching grapes and she had a flower on her dress. So like now he's like seeing the the woman like well clearly. Okay. He insists that like, you know, this is real. So Judith is like, okay, bitch, like if this is real, I will come with you to the fucking police station (laughs) this time. Okay. Because Judith don't play. Like, she just don't play. So she she's time for that? like, okay. Yeah. So she's like, we'll go to the fucking cops. Uh, so now we cut to them on a bus. And she's like giving money to somebody, probably for the ticket or whatever. And all of a sudden, Walter is like, he's on the bus. What? I can fucking feel it. He's on the fucking bus. And then he kind of like feels the energy move towards the door. Question three, what do you do and what do they do? And they're like, the bus is moving now. Uh, about to move, but they're like on the bus. Exactly. Are they they sitting? Mm -hmm. Okay. So they've, they're ready for their ride and they, and he feels the energy go to the door. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to confront whoever goes to the door. Okay. And what do you do? I'm going to, or at least follow whoever goes to the door. Okay. Um, I'm going to 
Ride that bus on home. <laughs> <laughs> Grab a G and team by my giant fire. Double ding. Mind your damn beeswax. Mind your damn beeswax. What they and you talked yourself into a full point by saying that they follow him because there's no confrontation, mm-hmm. but they do get off the bus to like feel where the fuck this fucker's going. Okay. And so they stop, the bus has stopped like, or outside of the bus stop is like a park, like the entrance to a park. And Walter is like, fuck, like I lost it. Like it's not the energy. Can I ask a question? So are they, he's only feeling someone he's, we're not seeing a human body of a Correct. Because it's like, there's tons of people around. Oh, okay. So it's like, he's there. It's amongst the crowd. Exactly. So he like, can't really identify it. It's very good. come to the front of the park entrance and Judith is like, let's follow this fucking energy into the park. Like if you lost it, but like it stopped here, like it, pro- let's fucking go. Oh, but I'm fucking Judith and I am taking <laughs> care of business. So, yeah. uh, that's when he's like, I really can't feel it anymore. Like this, I'm not going to be able to follow it. So Judith is like, okay, well, let's just continue to Scotland Yard then. So they get to Scotland Yard. It's the same fucking guy, the same fucking constable. And Walter's like, uh, I want to talk to the inspector, like the inspector that's on the case of JTR. Yeah. And the constable's like, he's busy. And Judith steps in and she's like, let me handle this. (laughs) Judith! She fucking comes in and she says, if you do nothing, this will be the day that JTR commits his fourth murder. Your move, bitch. Judith? Is Judith my hero? I'm not sure. Judith is a fucking queen because if you also remember like the time period like Judith is Judithing yeah, all like, over the 1800s. Excuse me. Yeah, I'm trying so, to save a motherfucking life here, motherfucker. Yes, all you men are just kind of like fucking bopping around. I'm trying to fucking make my dollar dollar and save some bitches' lives. Thank you very much. So at this, somebody over by a file cabinet or whatever, like perks up. And we realize, oh, this is the inspector. The inspector wasn't really busy. He just didn't want to deal with fucking. Mm-hmm. Of course. You know. A so, clairvoyant and a, a woman. And a woman. <laughs> a woman who speaks, notice. <laughs> um, so the inspector comes over and he's like, what the fuck did you just say? And at this point, they're like, okay, the inspector's involved. Now the men are going to talk. So the cop like ushers Judith off into another room. And I'm like, Judith is the only reason this shit's happening, you assholes. So now Walter is talking to the inspector. Now Walter is talking to the inspector. Okay. So like the dude who's actually in charge of the investigation. And Walter's like, listen, like I'm a profesh clairvoyant. Like here's my biz card. Yeah. And the fucking inspector looks at it and he's like, 
what did you dream? So Walter tells him. And then the inspector says, can you write something down for me? Can you write dear old boss? And Walter's like, why? And he's like, just write it. So he does it. And Walter's like, I wish you'd explain. And the inspector says, did you dream of the location? And Walter's like, not this time, but last time I did. And the inspector says, but you didn't write us last time. And Walter's like, write to you. What are you talking about? He shows him a note that's exactly in his handwriting that says, dear old boss, on the next job, I will clip the lady's ears off. Jack the Ripper. And you remember, he was holding something in his hand in the vision. It was an ear. So at this point, Walter is like, oh, great. Cool. So you believe me. Awesome. Because like, Uh, I told you my dream. And then like, you had this letter. And like, so you believe me. Walter, I'm concerned. And the inspector says, the only fucking people who knew about this letter were in my office or Jack himself. Question four. What do you do as the inspector? Oh, and what does he do? Yeah. Okay. I think as the inspector, I don't technically have a case with this gentleman. So maybe Mm -hmm. I think that he like maybe placates him to be like, but I believe you and you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. sure, sure, sure. Go on and live your life. But now he's going to follow him around. Okay. And what do you do? When he does the next kill. Okay. Now, Kim, this is a tough one. You are, in fact, the inspector. So you can't just go to the terrible drinking house. You do, in fact, have a job. (laughs) I know. Bump, bump. Uh, (laughs) it's like i quit my job putting in my notice go to the terrible drinking house (laughs) i see it's tough being the inspector because i'm like well i've just listened to the story so like you know what i mean i do am i playing it as if i only know what the inspector knows uh yeah okay so i this man is telling me information that only, yeah, or very, very similar. Like it's, it's in fountain pens. So to me, I'm like, how good was your handwriting science? Honestly, <laughs> didn't everyone write the same back then? Yeah. I'm like literally all the same. <laughs> um, beautiful, gorgeous writing on it. Totally. But just the same. Tedious. Nonetheless. Yes. I got to dip it and then write it and <laughs> dip it and then write. I guess hand in hand. zero points the inspector says take this man into custody so walter is now you must do it yeah and he's like you must believe me and obviously like he calls for his boss judith and it's like (laughs) judith (laughs) and he's like you must believe me you must save her like the woman who's about to be killed and the inspector says Perhaps 
I already have, motherfucker. Uh. So now we cut to Walter in jail. And he's like, what time is it? Like, ask the guard. And the guard's like, are you still awake? And he's like, uh, he's like, it's a little after one. And Walter's like, well, tell the inspector to have a good sleep because tomorrow night he might not sleep so easily. Good one, Walter. Good one, Walter. Does Judith usually write your stuff? Because this one was lacking. <laughs> um, Judith. <laughs> so now we cut to a body in the alley. That is the body from the vision with no God. ear. Damn it. Yeah. Inspector, what did we tell you? Listen. So a cop, a random cop, like finds the body and like blows his whistle. So now we cut to letting Walter out because they're like, he was in jail. well, you didn't fucking do it because you were fucking in jail. And uh, cut, want to see you at the yard. God forgive them. Interesting. Doesn't matter. I think it's just the inspector being like, let's like, you're free. I guess I kind of believe you. So <laughs> now we cut to uh, Scotland Yard, like the office where we were before. Judith is there, of course. And so, like, Walter hugs Judith, and the inspector, like, seems upset. Um, and he's like, he's like, it was in my power to save the woman. And Walter is like, two women, uh, one here and one. Doesn't matter. I guess there were two bodies. Walter only saw one of them. Both were hacked to pieces. So the inspector's like, you were right. Your information checks out. Every detail of the one murder was exactly the same. And he's like, every, every cop is on duty. Every suspect was under lock and key. So like now what the fuck? Mm -hmm. And he's like, it's impossible, but you knew. And he's like, but how? And Walter's like, I've been asking myself the same goddamn thing all my fucking life. Mm -hmm. And so the inspector says, I'm sorry. No toxic masculinity here. He says, I was wrong. And I'm sorry. So now uh, Walter's like, I'm thankful. This was actually like a relief because he's like, I now I know like I'm not crazy. Like I now have proof, like a linear thing of my vision right, plus what right. happened. And he's like, I'd always feared mm. that something was wrong with me or not normal. Oh, but my funny. wife <gasps> had my courage and conviction for me. Judith. Judith is the Judith. best. So inspector's like, we got to act now. And Walter says, I know how to find him. Meet me at my house at seven. Question five. I know where do you him. take them? And where does Walter take them? Oh, no. I'm sure it's somehow you told me something <laughs> that is related to his dreams, but I don't remember. Uh, oh, I'm going to go, wait, when did I see, what did I see, when? Oh, <laughs> now we've talked about so much words that I don't know which was dreamland and which was. We have talked about so much words. <laughs> which, was, which was not dreamland. I'm going to go to Buck Row Ro- East Road. Okay. Hand in hand. Uh, zero points. God damn it. The last oh place that he felt him. Was outside oh, of the park. the park. God yeah. damn it. I knew it was on the tip of your tongue. So, 
cut to Walter leading them through the park. And, and like, Walter's very, like, trance-like. Like, even when he talks, you can tell that he's, like, tapping into some other shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he appears to have a vision. They keep walking. He leads them. And then he stops at a row house that's, like, it looks like the park is, like, surrounded by row houses, basically. Okay. Mm-hmm. Stops on a spot. And Walter says, this is where the Ripper lives. Oh, shit! And the cops are like, what? So they go up and read, like, the, you know, nameplate or whatever. Okay. Like, <laughs> Dr. G.R. Willerton. And so it's very late, I guess. Like, it's late at night. Yeah. And so Walter is like, should we knock? And the inspector is like, well, we can't disturb him this late. I'm like, he is a murder suspect. Wake the bitch up. <laughs> rip his okay? door open and rip him out of bed. God Jesus. So, but I guess like he is clearly a high standing member of society. His but they don't. Can fire is tall. We get it. Right. So they don't have to have this discussion because then they hear a dog barking from inside and they hear a maid say pagan pagan stop it which i'm like love that name uh the maid opens the door and uh so the maid opens the door but sitting behind her is like the woman of the house and it's clearly mrs willerton and she's like the police she's like you've got to go uh but a man comes out of like the drawing room and they're like, what? And he's like, what's the meaning of this? And they're like, Mr. Willerton. And he's like, no, Mr. Atherton. All the tons. And uh, they're like, so we need to speak to Mr. Willerton. And Mr. Atherton is like, he's not here. They go into the drawing room. There's a coffin. And they're like, Mr. Oh. Willerton died of a cerebral hemorrhage yesterday. So question six, what do you do and what do the inspector and Walter do? Oh, well, obviously we're going to check his coffin first spare ears and <laughs> also um look we're gonna his... have to check and see if you have any spare ears about ma'am <laughs> writing uh what are the clues what are the things that we have we have that he was a doctor that's the mm-hmm. thing yeah uh, is a thing. and we had a letter from him mm-hmm. and we also have like pretty positive truth that like Walter knows what's up and Walter's like so I guess we're gonna check for ears and handwriting and have Walter go touch the dead body and do some clairvoyant shit and see if Walter can clairvoyant that it got it Mm -hmm. hand in hand that's two half points They're like, okay, doc, can we see the death certificate? And the doc says, oh, I left it at, at, at the old office. 
Oh, interesting. And so Mr. Atherton is like, so why are you here? And the inspector says, we have reason to believe that your husband knew about the murders. And Mrs. Willerton straight up says, you think he's the Ripper, don't you? (laughs) And and so the doc like keeps interrupting, like trying to like not let widow Willerton speak. And I'm just like, can you let the woman speak? Um, And the, the inspector keeps being like, I'm trying to talk to the widow. And so the widow then starts crying and she's like, just give up the game. They know. And Dr. Atherton is like, she's hysterical, right? Because she's like a woman and like expressing an emotion. Right. Yeah. 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 And uh, she's like, I saw the blood. I was standing on the stairs when he came in. And Dr. Atherton is like, ma'am, I beg you. And she's like, I don't want to keep the secret any longer. And the inspector is like, why didn't you tell? She's like, I loved him. He was gentle once until he had to give up his practice. She's staring off into space for her monologue. She's like, so he's allowed to murder then because he gave up his practice. Um, excuse me. Un-Judith. Un- okay. She's very un-Judith. She's be- Do you think Judith would put up with this shit? Judith and listen. Stand for that shit. Judith be like, where the fuck did that blood come from? Hello, right. police. Claw, claw, claw. You. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And. And listen to the other shit that Widow Willerton puts up with. So she says, it was terrible seeing the changes in him. What made him do it? She's like, one day I heard Pagan screaming in the drawing room. And I came in. There was a hat pinned through his paw. And I was like, okay, wake up the bitch, kill him again, and then set him on fire. (laughs) What the fuck? Uh, So then she's like, he used to love that dog. And then the widow says, and then there were the bats. And I was like, you know what? I'm a fucking hop into this show and I'm a fucking kill <laughs> Dr. Fucking Willerton. Okay. I'm going to fucking rip Jack apart. Cause she's like, he paid a boy to catch the bats. And I saw what he did to them. He lit them on fire, watched and clapped his hands and laughed like a child. Ma'am. And then he began to go out at night. And again, I was like, Judith would have locked that fucking door so fucking quick. Judith would have lit that bitch on fire. She would have been like, oh, you like seeing bats on fire? Do you like seeing yourself on fire? Ignite. So at this point. She goes out in a burst of smoke. (laughs) Because she's fucking Judith. Judith. So then we hear a crash cut over to Walter. Walter's fucking flipped the lid of the coffin right the fuck up. And guess what that coffin is filled with? Bricks. There ain't no body in that bitch. I fucking knew it. I fucking knew it. So the inspector is like, uh, doc, what the fuck? And the doc hands him a paper, says, He was committed to an asylum, so he's basically dead, but also beyond the jurisdiction of the courts. Because I guess in ancient British law, you couldn't take a 
person, you couldn't put a person who might be crazy on trial. I don't know. There was no, I don't know. This law is suspect. I don't like it. I hope it has been revisited because then the inspector says, well, nothing we can do. Okay. Goodbye. See you later. Bye-bye now. And to be fair, I bet, uh, institutes back in that day were probably worse than prison or anything that you could. Oh my God. Kim, you are so right. Don't you think? Oh, I'm actually super chill with this now. Yeah. Because they were real fucked up. Yeah. They were real fucked up. I'm kind of chill with this now. Okay. Unless he's in like some fucking wealthy white man. Bougie, tall, fired fucking with a fucking tall fire in his asylum room. Right. Right. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, So now they're just kind of like, better we should know now if you'll excuse me. And then the fucking widow says, is it terrible to hope there will be more murders in Whitechapel? Because then she'll know it wasn't her husband. Oh, I was like, yes, ma'am. Yes, that is terrible. No, like, like still, yes. Like, even if you're hoping it's not your husband, like still, yes, yes, it is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So now we cut back to the narrator, Boris Karloff. Dr. Williton was beyond the grasp of English law. Guilt or innocence could never be proved. The slaughter in Whitechapel ended that evening. Jack the Ripper never claimed another victim. But what of Walter Durst? How does one explain this gift of precognition, his ability to foretell the future? How could he foresee in such detail the victims and the circumstances surrounding that death? He'd never seen any of the women involved. He'd never even been to the places where they met the death. And most of all, how was he able to lead the police to a man he did not even know existed? There's no explanation known to us. But this we do know. On that night, over 70 years ago, ended a reign of terror unlike any known before or since. Please join me again for another journey into the world, into the unexplainable, which lies beyond the veil. Good night. I can be hired for Boris Karloff impressions, (laughs) by the way. Um, Yeah. Is this a... It's the end, by the way. Are we, I need to postmortem. Is this, are these real people? Is this a thing? Is this a made up thing? I know. I really think we do. Fiction situation on this. Yeah. Was there a Walter Durst? And most importantly, was there a Judith? Most importantly. Was there a Judith? Uh, While Miguel talks, I will total your points. Talk amongst yourselves, won't you? you. Hi, Kim. Hi. That was fun. The facts of this of this uh, tale. So I, I know a few facts. There are made up characters. I don't believe Judith was based on a historical character. Rude. Um, what is interesting about this tale? It is based on a so when the the Jack the Ripper thing has had so many armchair sleuths trying to figure mm-hmm. out what happened. Yeah, and for a long time. One uh, theory that became very popular was that it was a royal conspiracy and that Jack the Ripper was a, an aristocratic doctor. So, uh... And, uh, and the, the notion of a police detective having a psychic either support 
him or that he was psychic himself was part of that. And um, it was the biggest uh, perpetuator of this theory was called the Whitechapel Group in, uh, of course, in London. And not only was that the source for this story, it was the source for a big graphic novel by Alan Moore, which eventually got adapted into a book called from uh, into a film. The book was called From Hell, and the film was called From Hell with Johnny yeah. Depp. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, and yeah. So uh, if you see a lot of similarities <clears throat> between the From Hell movie, even or the book, and this episode, the psychic, the cop, the doctor, uh, that's why. I love it. Mm. Kim, are you ready for your score? I'm very ready. For Dead or Alive, you got three out of five. Nice. Not bad. For questions, you got six out of 12. But you got that bonus point for oh, knowing right. full well that I was flicking my bean to that hearth room. <laughs> so you got a total of 10 out of 17. I'll take it. Yes. All right. My work here is done. <laughs> How large of a hearth did I earn? A pretty big hearth. How tall is my fire? I think I'd say it's like up to your shoulders. Um, can I ask a question that everyone's gonna yell at me for? Yeah. Am I supposed to know who Boris Karloff is? Uh, he's just a like real famous old timey black and white actor. Do you think I would recognize yeah, I'm about him? That go. So I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in. Okay. Because Boris Karloff is, if not my favorite actor of all time, one of. So um <laughs> I would I would recognize him, right? Oh well, yes, probably. So I I will um, I will preamble this by saying no. You're not. This is not a space where we will shame you for not knowing who Boris Karloff is. That this this is part of my joy. Is now I get to say. By the way, his daughter Sarah is very sweet, and she's still with us, and she's in LA, and hopefully one day you get to meet her. Uh, yeah, cool. doing the whole women in horror month. I, I, I kind of wish I had put you in touch with her cause she would have been a great person to, uh, to, to spotlight, but mm. Boris Karloff became in, uh, not infamous, but super famous when he played Frankenstein's monster in James Wales, 1931 Frankenstein. Uh. And again, in Bride of Frankenstein, also uh. directed by James Whale. But if anyone, uh, he's been in a ton of things. He's a wonderful actor um british born very sweet um and had a long career including this including another show called thriller which was another uh anthology horror thriller show uh i saw that michael jackson no 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 <laughs> this predates michael I'm jackson kidding. i'm kidding i'm uh, kidding i swear to god i'm kidding uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but um What's interesting about this show is that it never actually aired when it was made. They made 12 episodes and it never saw the light of day f- for years. And it's actually a miracle that it survives to this day because a lot of shows like this were destroyed. Um, it was pretty badass. This is my favorite one. This is really good. There's <laughs> actually other episodes that I would I would love to show you that are, that are a lot. Did, you, that did you know that there was going to be a hearth room in it? Did you know? Um, me personally? Yeah. Of course. I mean, like, did you pick it because you knew there was going to be a hard? No, that that is not why I assigned it to you. Oh, okay. I why I chose this one for you? I think it was less that I chose this one specifically for you, and more that I chose Kim's for Kim. Ooh! Okay. Well, now I'm very excited, <laughs> and I have my lovely, my lovely, my own Judith. 
making me another drink right now because my work Judith and Eric. Eric Eric is like Eric is like the OG Judith. He's the fucking best dude. Um all right, Kim, do you have a show to tell me? I do. Um that was wonderful. Thank you. Great job. Thank Um, you. I learned so much about Buck the Ripper. Yep. Um okay. Let's do this is a show called The Hitchhiker. Ooh. It's from 1986. Mm-hmm. Um, the title is Man of Her Dreams, <gasps> also an, an anthology of sorts. Okay. Um, I did do some digging. I'm not going to lie. I did some digging on who made this particular one because I was like, Mm, seems like men took care of this one. Uh, um, no more. Okay. But I was interested to find out that the director was Philip Noyce, who delivered, delivered, directed Sliver and, and The Giver. Noyce. <laughs> and... <laughs> There was a lot of creators of it and then story by the story by seemed to be there seemed to be a woman involved in the story by which I was shocked. Oh, I, I, but, that's literally shocking. Her name was probably uh, Judith. Uh, it was definitely not Judith. I can tell you. <laughs> oh, uh, Judith would not be on board for this story. Yeah. It was no. Bruce Jones and Amy Campbell Jones. Okay. Uh, Bruce Jones wrote the All Hallows Eve episode of the current Creep Show that we do on our Patreon. Um, oh, damn! I'm assuming that's one with like the kids. It's got to be on All Hallows yeah. Eve. Okay. What the teleplay? What a subtle little Patreon plug you just put in there. Ah. Nice job. <laughs> that was real no big deal. We you. do live commentary watches hey. uh, on our <laughs> Patreon. Join it. Um, the teleplay was written by Gary Ross. Okay. But when I looked him up, this was the first thing he wrote, but he also wrote Ocean's 8, The Hunger Games, no. Seabiscuit, Pleasantville, and Big. What? Am I incorrect about those things? I don't know. They were all on his IMDb underwriting. That's so, Benoonies. This guy is writing shit all over the place. Wow. Yeah. But um, I don't know. He might have been going through something right now. Um, Miguel says you're completely correct, by the way. Oh, yeah. Great. Yeah. He might have. um, I don't know. Maybe he was going through something. Okay. Here we go. I'm feeling like I need to like, like my rage is really going to be bubbling to the surface. Is that my rage? No, I just high hearth fire. It just. We'll see. You you could go. You know what? You could surprise me. There was just something I got from. um, Something I got from it, but I can't wait. That made me feel things. I'm ecstatic. I have a my, fresh my hearth GNT. Was high. My hearth was high. High hearth. Uh, dead or alive? Yes. Jill. Dead. Uh, Jim. Dead. Uh, glasses guy. Dead. Friend. Dead. Lieutenant. Alive. Here Thank we you. Are. All right. Home box office presents <gasps> The Hitchhiker. All right. 1986. Wow. <laughs> it was before that time. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> so we start out with a, a hitchhiker, the old thumbsies outsies <laughs> on the road. Yep. A dude walking, looking a little like rugged, rugged, has a backpack. He really reminded me of Roddy Roddy Piper in the beginning of uh, They Live. They Live. They Live? They Live? He Lives? They, they live. live. They Live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He okay. just had that vibe. He had the same like kind of brown jacket on and a backpack. I see it. And he's got, he's walking. He's walking mm-hmm. in the desert and then he's walking and he's walking and he's walking. And I was like, this motherfucker is not getting picked up. Wow. He's getting his steps in for sure. All kinds of different lands. He's walking. Uh, the credits, man of her dreams. Uh, and now we go to a faucet being turned on. Mm-hmm. And then um, the little turny knob of like what you would have like a, for a, a hot tub bubbles situation. Uh, oh, okay. Um, and oh, because we're in the eighties. Sorry, I was still in black and white nineteen fifties. Okay, oh, I, I'm no, there we're now. Full I got it. Full color or color? No, okay, color. Got it. So we're turning up the the bubbles. Yeah, basically, okay. this lady is doing my number one favorite thing to do in in quarantine, which is taking a bath. A bubble bath. Yep. So, yeah, okay. it's like a close-up on her pouring in the bubbles now. A lot of great hand modeling. Um, and then uh, I would pay money to see where all of this beginning was shot because it was definitively a sink faucet, not a no. faucet at all. <laughs> okay. Also, okay. I don't know what, like, I, I don't know. I didn't, I wasn't, you know, taking bubble bath. I know what I probably was taking bubble baths in the eighties, but I I wasn't pouring them for myself. Sure. Uh, so like the turny on knob, like I was like, this what's happening here? I I anyway. I defer to you. You're you're the bath scientist. Sure. So we just see clothes falling off, and then a lady gets in and relaxes, and there's so many bubbles, just like covered in bubbles, like just the most bubbles I've ever seen. And I was like, dreamland. Yeah, I love that. I started with a hearth room, and you started with a bubble bath. (laughs) Our two favorite places. Did Miguel know that these were both our dreamland? Yeah. So told me. The ectoplasm told me. Uh, back on the faucet. And I was like, seriously, that's a sink faucet. I don't know what you guys are playing at here, but okay, we're in a bathtub. And then, uh, she starts doing my second favorite thing of quarantine. Masturbating. (laughs) I'm just kidding. That's what she's doing. Okay. (laughs) Good job. Thank you. She, uh, no, she starts like kind of like caressing her leg and like breathing a little heavy and she's like breathing deep and like enjoying herself, you know? And then she Mm -hmm. like closes her eyes and it kind of like fades into like POV as of us walking through like an apartment or like into different rooms and through the hallway. And then the door opens and then her bathroom door opens and this like hottie McHottie in a black leather jacket comes in and she like steps out of the tub and he brings her a a single rose. Whoa. Hands are a single rose. And then he like, oh, he like rubs her face with the rose a little bit. Um, and then uh, I'm not kidding you. I honestly didn't do this on purpose, but I bought these the other day, like yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. How does it He's feel? He's literally like, and then he starts being like, and she's like, yeah. Oh. 
and then he kisses her neck and she's like yeah. and then it like it zooms is getting in on hot her in here. face as she's like loving it and then it kind of fades back into her in the bathtub okay cut to daytime she's leaving her apartment building and her neighbor guy pops up and is like hey hi 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 um i just wanted to see like uh what are your thoughts about getting dinner like maybe we just like run out and grab a pizza together (laughs) Mm. Mm. Uh uh-huh uh-huh and our friend jill is her name is like no sorry i'm not the athletic type Oh, because run out and get a pizza. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Zing. <laughs> she keeps walking. And then our hitchhiker friend comes on the scene. And he. Roddy Roddy Piper. Got Roddy, it. Roddy Piper is like, what's up? He talks directly to camera. And he says, Jill McGinnis lets the good times roll, but only in her mind. And that's something that's a dangerous place to be especially when you can no longer tell the difference between fantasy and fact. Oh, no. So now it's Jill at work, and she works at a bank, but at, like, the sit-down table part. Mm -hmm. And she's clearly turning someone down for his alone. Okay. Yeah. So this is Glasses guy, and he's, like, fucking pissed. And he's, like, how am I going to compete with, like, the bigger people, et cetera, Mm -hmm. et cetera. Mm -hmm. And Jill's just, like, business, and she's, like – do you have any idea how many small businesses fail? <gasps> My only advice to you is to exercise a little more control. That's how you got into this situation in the first place. Wow. Jill. Like, ouch. And fucking glasses guy like gets up and like yells at her face and is like, you don't know anything. You don't know nothing. Nothing I tell you. And she just fucking walks away and she's like, wow. peace out. I'm Judith. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Cut to it's like he's yelling, and then it like turns into a voiceover of like ladies laughing together, and then we come to uh Jill and her friend uh walking into a very 80s exercise class. I'm sure you know what that looks like. Oh, I can see it as if it was on my screen right now. Yeah, exactly. Uh so they're geared up, ready to go with their leg warmers. Fucking- Body May, on leotards. Top of pants. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Situation. And so they're chatting and like laughing. And her friend is like, he didn't really say that. And Jill's like, yes, I don't know why I've ever went out with him at all. Um, and I at first I thought they were talking about bank guy, but I think oh, they were talking about neighbor pizza guy. guy. Pizza yeah. guy. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And friends like I thought you said he was kind of sweet, and um, Jill's like, yeah, but there's no future there. Mm. And and uh, friends like I don't know, maybe you should like go out with him again, give it a chance, you know? Yeah. And Jill's like, no, I know what kind of man I want, and until I meet him, I'd rather stay home alone than be with a loser. Wow, Jill really is turning into quite the Judith. And then. Um, friend is like you're just too picky and jill's like every man i meet is either a wimp a creep or an emotional cripple wow and the friend is like men aren't all that bad and some other lady comes in and is like oh yes they are and then they all <laughs> laugh together and i was like <laughs> i know because that's what ladies do especially <laughs> feminists they just get together and man hate constantly yes. Ugh. 
I don't know why. <laughs> it just like bugged me for some reason. So no, I get it because it's 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 all of the dialogue is very like surface level. Like it's very sort of like not diving into what the actual conversation would be about. I get it. I'm a little like, annoyed. This is how ladies talk. Yeah. So class starts and turns out it's like a fucking self-defense class, I guess, Um, because basically we just hear the teacher being like, well, you obviously need to like avoid any situation um, that would put you in jeopardy because it's your fault if you get attacked. She doesn't say that, but you know what I mean. I do know what you mean. Uh, And she's like, but there's ways to be prepared and like, here are some maneuvers that we're going to do. And (laughs) at first, like, I just hear that part. She's like, here are some maneuvers that we're going to do. And then they start just pelvising back and forth, like that little (laughs) pelvis move. And I was like, how the fuck is that saving you from what the fuck's happening right now? That is a, that is a written Polygraphied invitation. That is not. What are you talking about? When I did the the quick little rewatch to take notes, I realized she said, "We'll warm up first, and then we'll do the." <laughs> so I was like, "That's the warm up." Okay, there we go. But like, okay. I was very confused, and also, yeah, just, you were like, "What were okay. the eighties?" <laughs> great, great choice, writer creators of this. Okay. <laughs> So then they're like, and one, and two, and three, and four, and breathe, and five, and two, and pulvis, 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 pulvis. And so it like zooms in on Jill's face and it kind of fades into like another like kind of dreamland. And this mm. bray man is crossing a wooden bridge over a little tiny, I don't know, it's a walking bridge over a okay. creek situation, you know. Love it. Gorgeous. And- Comes over to, I believe, is her and now a black wig of my old haircut with the little bangs and bob. Cute. And she's like standing against a tree and Beret comes up to her and brings her a single rose. <gasps> Thank God for this rose prop you have. So many roses. And then he starts kissing her neck again. Mm. And she likes it. And she's like, mm. and then he starts. Kissing her neck and choking her neck. And then she can't breathe. And he's strangling her. And she's trying to fight him off. And he's strangling her. And she's falling to the ground. And then it, like, fades back into class where she's a little bit, like, (gasps) and kind of, like, shakes out of it. Okay. So the strangling, just to be clear, it wasn't, like, the hot. No. Nope. Okay. No, 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 no. Like, she wasn't into it. I'm dying. Hello, I'm dying. Safe okay. word. <laughs> Got it. It was yeah. the I'm dying safe word. Okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just no, wanted to she confirm. Was like, she was like, ooh, kissy, kissy. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. It was okay. not like. Got it. Yeah. Great question. Great question. Thank you. Thank you. Then I wrote, ha, ha, ha. But I realized that that <laughs> was not for laughter. That was, that was them going, ha, 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 ha. Ha, like that was like the new move that they were doing. And I was like, like, I think even writing that, I was like, I need to remember that this isn't laughing. This is them going, ha, ha. How could you have possibly known that it wasn't laughter? That's the funniest. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that really, t- that really tickled my funny bone. Uh, <laughs> continue. Yeah, I guess it's more, ha, <laughs> the correct, uh, I didn't spell it correctly. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. 
Continue. Uh, and I'm, I'm scribbling away furiously. <laughs> I, I got to shorten my words from H-Y-A to H-H-A. Yes. H-A-H-A. <laughs> so anyway, cut to an alarm clock. Okay. Jill is waking up in bed. Your nightmare. She, put, ugh, she puts on her robe and like goes to the living room, turns the TV on, goes to the front door, opens the door. Her neighbor is standing <gasps> right there. Uh-huh. And like, did you almost spit out your GNC? I really did. <laughs> I would have, I, that would have made me happy on a level that I don't think I can express in words. You know who it would have made very sad? Our Judith, when I ruined this fucking <laughs> microphone. <laughs> yeah. Eric Judith would not have loved that. He would not have been cool. Yeah. <laughs> so neighbor is there. And he's like, has her newspaper, her morning paper. And was like, oh, I thought you'd like a hand delivery something. And so she just kind of like grabs the paper and slams the door shut. And then does that thing where you stand. Has, has anyone ever in their entire lives closed the door and then leaned against it with your back? No single human real life person has ever Please, done that in the chat. Anyone. Anyone ever, you know what I mean? We all don't, maybe we have all different experiences in life, but has anyone ever shut a door and then turned around and put their back and leaned against it? I am go, I will. David, don't you lie to us. David, 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 you are a fucking liar. And I will say it to your fucking face. (laughs) David, I need to know every, every detail of this moment. Yeah. I'm going to. Jeffrey. Now you guys are just fucking with us. You really don't are. You, don't you, you really fucking are. do this. <laughs> One time in band camp. Yeah. And then you shoved a flute up your pussy. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's what happens in band camp. Yep. So Kim played they, the flute. I do. So they both do it. They The door gets slammed and they both back up to each other. Oh. Neighbor walks away. She thinks about it for a moment and then um, opens the door again, but he's already gone. Sure. Then the phone rings. Uh, and she goes and picks it up in the living room. Yeah. And it's someone being like, you think you're really something. And she's like, who is this? And mm-hmm. they say, you're gonna be sorry, bitch. Um, Excuse me? So she slams the phone down. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I was like, that's scary. That's really scary, actually. And, but she happened to be sitting like right in front of the TV that she had turned on and um, the news is on. And the news, she is like, slowly we kind of start to hear that they're talking about a murder and that it seems to be a pattern and that they've left a white carnation again. <laughs> Um, next to the victim who is at this, and oh, now we see it where the location is, and it's the tree next to the bridge. Stop. Oh no. Okay. Wow, is that I don't like that. that shows now. Interesting. Miguel. Um <laughs> and you know, they're talking about the victim was an attractive woman, attractive 30-year-old victim, which had mm-hmm. a white carnation next to them. And I was like, oh, is that how we describe our victims? The attractive yeah. 30-year-old victim. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. That's all we are. 
Uh, and then there was a giant chalk outline in the <laughs> thickest chalk that anyone, any chalk has ever been thick. It was fucking, fucking <laughs> they did it. They like put it, no, they put it like flat down yeah. and like ran yeah. it. Yeah. It was the thickest chalk <laughs> that I've ever seen. And the, <laughs> in, in the history of chalk, in the history of chalk, I've never seen thicker chalk. So, yeah. uh, basically they're like, if you have any info, or we're at the scene or anything like that, please contact the police because, uh, and talk to the carnation killer squad, uh, because he leaves a white carnation, but they're called the carnation killer squad. (laughs) Yeah. Which honestly is kind of cool. It's like the rad is, is it cool? I think it's cool. I'm like, Oh yeah. I'm part of the carnation killer squad. I I don't know. I, I just feel like we should maybe, maybe head back to the writer's room and just see if we can top it. Is it it my band name though? It is your band name, uh, specifically. Look, I don't know what this says about me as a single lady, <laughs> but I bought myself some flowers last night. Mm-hmm. I watched this today. I had not seen this mm-hmm. ever in my life before. Mm-hmm. And the flowers are simply red roses and, carnations. and white carnations. <laughs> Get the fuck out. I'm concerned. I'm a I'm, concerned too. I'm possibly sleeping outside your door tonight. I don't know if I'm going to get murdered, you guys. I'm just saying. Kim, you know that I'm your Judith and I will never let that fucking happen. True. Thank you. <laughs> you're, Here's the you're question, welcome. though. Did I mm-hmm. premonition this? You probably did. Did I premonition this show? Yeah, you probably wow. did. Wow. Yeah. Okay. You're the Walter of this scenario you're my judith the judith to my you're the walt you're the judith to my walter yeah <gasps> so cute Love. okay <laughs> question number one mm-hmm. you watch the news they're like contact if you know the carnation killer the squad what do you do yeah. what does she do okay so let me just clarify something go for it because her daydreams are pretty like vivid Mm-hmm. And so she was, in fact, at that walking bridge, not just fantasizing about the walking bridge. <laughs> In her fantasy, she was at that exact spot. That's what I was clarifying. Yeah. What I the what I was trying to clarify with the was the talk outline is the tree that she was leaning against in her bob. Okay. Okay. Exact spot. What I was trying to clarify was like, was she taking a walk and then inspired to have a vision because she herself was at the walking bridge and the tree? But you're saying no, she was nowhere near the walking no, bridge. She and the was tree. in the fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. In the yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, class. Got it. Yes, yes, and yes. And that's when she it. had the tree bridge vision. This is tough because it's like basically what I'd be doing. Okay, so I know what I'm gonna do ignore it. This is not my problem because like basically the only information I have is like a fucking vision that I had in a yah, yah, yah class. Um, and I'm a woman in the eighties. No one's going to listen to me. If I'm like, hi, I'm clairvoyant. We already saw what happened to wealthy white men in the fucking 1800s. Nobody even listened to them. Um, so that's me. I think she interesting. Who is Jill? Does she tell her friends? Does she t- fuck it? Let's go to the police. Come on, Jill. Point for you. 
Yeah. Cut to Jill standing in front of the tree and the fucking chalk outline. Everyone's gone now. She just went there. Uh, So it's raining. She has her umbrella. And then across the bridge comes someone in a rainbow umbrella. And umbrella. I heard what happened there. Uh And and this, this man walks up. And is says, oh, I hear that murderers return to the scene of the crime. <gasps> and oh, she's no. like, Wah. and he's <laughs> like, what are you going to, I don't know. Somehow it turns out he's a cop, basically. He's like, okay. oh, you need the cops? And he's like, right here. <laughs> you know, and he's like, I'm Got Lieutenant it. Tony. Is it Tony? I don't know. That's what I wrote. Okay. Toby? Tori? To- yeah. Definitely a lieutenant. Okay. And so... She says, oh, another macho cop, it figures. And the lieutenant is like, what, you don't like cops? You don't like that we carry big guns? And she says, no, I just don't like overgrown boys who um, who, who define their masculinity with props like guns and badges. He's a police officer. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I know you're scared, but you don't need to take it out on me. And she's like, I'm not scared. And um, basically, he's like, tell me what you know. Like, why are you here? You know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like, he's like, I can tell that you're scared. Like, what's going on? You know what I mean? And she's like, I don't need help. I'm fine. Um, And he's like, no, like, something's wrong. If, If you don't tell me, there's nothing I can do. Okay. Okay. So question two, what do you do? What does she do? Uh, I think I am going to, because I have like a cop, like in, in my face. And I don't mean that like in an, in an aggressive way, like we are having like a personal conversation at the scene of the crime. I think what I'm going to do is be like, listen, dude, I feel super weird about this because I realize what it sounds like, but like I keep having these fucking visions and it's like, you don't have to listen to me, but like, also here's what I like envision. So like, if you want to just like file that away and like, maybe think about it, maybe it could help you. Like, I'm kind of going to play it that way. Um, what does she do? I, I think that she tells him, but I think she tells him in like a really hectic way. Like, I think she's just kind of, like, very aggressive about it. But it's like, I had a vision of someone being murdered by this tree. He choked me kind of thing. Point for you. Cool. Uh, I love it. She walks away. Doesn't say anything. Interesting. Question number three. What does she decide to do now? Kill the cop. is your oyster. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, left there. Where do you go? What do you do? Who do you talk? Who to? the fuck is Jill? Jill feels like she's got a bit of a chip on her shoulder, mm-hmm. like a little bit of a. Okay. So, does she inexplicably go bone pizza guy? Uh, I. I'm going to walk away and then turn back around and be like, you know what? Actually, I'm going to give you this information. 
No, no, no. It's like in life. You left already. I left. Oh, I was trying to cheat. I know you were. And I won't allow it. (laughs) Judith. What do I do in my life? Um, She, this is interesting. Uh, What do I do in my life? I am, I mean, I guess, yeah. You've walked away from this tree. So like, yeah, yeah. What do you do in life? Um, maybe I start detectivizing on my own. Like maybe I start doing my own detectivizing. That's what I think I'm going to do. I'm going to start detectivizing on my own. <laughs> what would Judith do? Oh my God. Yes. I will buy that t-shirt. e Please make it. <laughs> I think there's already a lot of bracelets with those um, initials. Oh my God. Because Jesus and Judith. They have the same initials. Is Judith Jesus? It's Judith Jesus. Oh my God. She's definitely Jesus. Judith is Jesus. Holy shit. Wow. So you're going to detectivize on your own, you say? I'm going to start detectivizing. Didn't I say Jill was doing that? What did I say I was doing? What was my first? Oh, I I think I'm going to go. I'm very confused. I thought... She went and fucked pizza guy. Yeah. I decided to detectivize on my own. Yeah, Isn't yeah. that what I said? I was okay. You. <laughs> no, I got I got confused. Okay. I couldn't remember what I said. Okay. You are going to detectivize on your own. Yes. Okay. I'm gonna give you zero points. Great. Also, somebody just blew my <gasps> fucking mind. Judas? That the combination of judith and jesus is judas wow 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 wow, wow. that information that's too much for me to handle i don't my mind is blown wow holy shit okay hold on we have to read i need to go on because that is gonna take some philosophizing (sighs) guys we're starting a third podcast where we talk about how judith is jesus and judas okay That could go. Great. That's actually going to be our longest running podcast. One hundred percent about that forever. Yeah, you guys are all yeah. invited to be guests. Yes, exactly. Okay, <laughs> so, so continue. Cut to her screaming at someone, being like, "I need to talk to someone in authority, a doctor, a professor. Like, I need help." And so the guy like puts on like a white coat and is like, "Okay, I'm actually a doctor, so <laughs> I'm an authority. You can stop yelling at me." Um, and then he starts telling It's just her, some homeless guy that like puts on a white coat. He's easy legit. Easy Okay. okay we, were yeah, a, okay. we were like in a classroom of some sort. Or okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I trusted him. He's like, look, there's nothing wrong with having premonitions. And she's just being like, but what? Like, clearly she went to like the, the, the local university and was like, tell me about premonition, premonition <laughs> class. And was like, help me. Class. It's a gen ed. Cause she's like, what are the causes? And he's like, I don't know. There's lots of theories. And then he starts naming shit. Like it could be this, it could be that he's like, maybe you ate something bad for dinner. And he's like, if we knew the cause, I wouldn't be studying it. And I was like, sounds like you're not studying it since you yeah. just named everything on the planet as a possible cause. It like, sounds like you're a bad studier. You're bad yeah. at it. <laughs> yeah. 
And she's like, well, how do I get them to go away? And he says, well, you can't, you maybe realize that like a part of you is trying to tell you something and maybe listen to it basically. Okay. Problems. Yeah, that's correct. That's what <laughs> it felt like was, sure. was being told in this, this tale. Yeah. So now she's like walking around a farmer's market. Oh. Um, and she looks over and sees like a guy kind of like holding a white carnation and sniffing it. And she's like, Oh shit. But oh, then no. we see right behind that guy is fucking glasses from the <gasps> bank. He sees her and is like, Larry. he's like, mm, oh, I don't like you. For just listeners, Kim is really glaring mm. at me. And so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he kind of comes into focus and is glaring at her across the, the vegetables. And then someone grabs her shoulder. And he's like, uh, Joan, good to see you again. And she's like, Jill. And oh. it's like a hot uh, guy, kind of like a tall, good looking man in black glasses guy. This okay. is Jim. Uh, too much. Jim yeah. and Jill? Come uh, on. Jim and Jill, I know. It's, Can you hear their fucking answering I machine know. message? <laughs> hey, this is Jim and Jill. And Jill. <laughs> yep. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's never good when we make inside jokes in public, <laughs> public situations. Okay, here's the backstory. I'm just kidding, you guys. <laughs> that was a hilarious joke. It really was. Yeah. Our, if you guys had been there 15 years early ago, 20s. you would be laughing so hard. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, apparently they met at a hotel party and he's like the Australian like stockbroker. And he's like, actually I'm in commodities, whatever. I guess he has an Australian accent. It was very light. Oh, okay. Um, anyway, he's like, um, anyway, like, so sorry for like bothering you mm-hmm. here. Take this. Uh, oh, and so she's like, ah, ah. <laughs> she's Eric. Beautiful man has come to <laughs> talk to me and he's given me my dream. Like clearly in all of her dream lands, she gets handed yeah. a single rose. So she's sure. just like, this is it. She's like, here we are. And then he's like, do you want to like go grab some coffee? Question whatever the fuck. What do you do? What does she do? Hmm. I think she goes and grabs coffee. Uh, this is interesting. Because pre-marriage Ketrin would have been like, how about we just head back to your apartment and fuck? Um, but Why? let's say she's All like. All it took was this, folks. That's a single rose. Kim. Panties dropped. Kim, am I wrong? I don't know. I don't know. I found it took even more than that. (laughs) Um, So she goes, I'm at a farmer's market. Yeah. I think I am. I'll go get coffee. It's public. I'll go get coffee. I'll do it. Point for her. Okay. And she's like, yeah, I'd like that. Um, and so they leave together as like glasses is still <gasps> yeah, from across the vegetables. Mm-hmm. Cut to them 
at dinner, it appears, they appear to be at a restaurant, so it must have gone well. Mm-hmm. And um, and there, she's just listing off like, oh, my gosh, London, this, all these places that clearly Jim has been to. Like, they, it must, it sounds wonderful, you know? Yeah. Like, and Jim's like, yeah, it can be, but I always seem to be alone. Okay. And then... From across the way, another table. We just hear a a lady laughing as the man across from her seems to paw at her chest and she laughs and pushes him away. I know Likey. Jim says, maybe it's the way I am my upbringing, but I abhor that type. And I was like, which type? The man who paws at a woman's chest in public? And or then, the woman who laughs when being pawed at. I had to play this like three times because I don't know. I guess it was his thick Australian accent that, that I could never <laughs> tell was Australian. Um, sure. But it seemed like he said, wineless little teas. Who knows what the first word was? But regardless, little teas made me assume that he was talking about the lady. Wow. 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 Okay. All right, bitch. I take it back. We are not going to your apartment to fuck and we're not even getting coffee. Goodbye. And he's all like, maybe it's the, my upbringing, but I just wore that type. And then he's like, no real caring or feeling. And it really reminded me of, um, I'm just going to fucking drop shit about us nonstop, but Ketcher and I made a web series about 10,000 years ago. It's called <laughs> The Three Extremes. Yeah. It's about a bunch of drunk ladies in their 20s doing crazy shit. Whatever. Yeah. But it reminded me of that scene where he's just like, gosh, I'm so complicated. Yes. That's exactly <laughs> who that dude is. It's he's a totally dude that like thinks that. he's complicated, but very simple. But she's eating it up. Oh, dear Jill. Come on. Cut to them walking up the stairs to her apartment door. Mm-hmm. They stop outside. Question number, who's he, what's he? What do you do? What does she do? Meaning, do you bring him in or not? No, I don't. I don't like him anymore. I don't like all that stuff. That would be something where I would have come in when you and I were living together and been like, well, that was a waste of my time. <laughs> and then we would have had a bottle of wine together. Um, so I do that. What does she do? You said she was eating it up. So I guess she invites him in. Zero points. I'm sorry. Okay. Is like very apologetic because she's like, it's just like a little too fast for me. And she's like, and you know, he of course is upset. Not really. I don't know. I guess he looked down, but she's like, it's not you. It's just that like things have been weird lately. Okay. Strongly apologizing. It felt like for not fucking bringing him inside to bone him on the first date. Jesus Christ. Why did I get zero points? Well, this is a mystery. Do tell. Go on. Wait, what did you say? I said, don't come in. I said, we're, I'm going to say, please don't come in. Oh, well, Jesus. Jesus, Judith, Judas. <laughs> <laughs> I was like thinking about you <laughs> guessing what she did. 
doesn't matter. <laughs> Great. Good point. Good. Thank you. No, good job. Don't let them in. Thank you. Yeah. You <laughs> Thanks for that. Yeah. Uh, but Jim's like, it's okay. Because he's a good guy. So he's like, just give me a call. He's a real nice guy. And then she's like, okay. You know, starts to leave. And he's like, Jill, wait. Don't the forget. Rose. Your rose. Oh, no. Oh, no. Guys, anyone can purchase a rose. Okay. <laughs> like, it's not a fucking, you know, it's not hard to get. Cut to her and her delicious bubble bath. Sure. And she's like smiling and happy because he's wonderful. Again, I'm judging this completely, but like this is written as he's like a wonderful man. And so she's like obviously excited and he's good looking and you know what I mean. Oh, okay. Thank you for saying that. So like they are writing this like he is cool. Yeah, yeah, you know, he's like supposed to be like a great guy. Okay, great. Thank you. That was helpful. Once again, I was like, oh, someone who wrote this like hates women yeah yeah yeah, yeah. going okay. through divorce i don't know something's happening and they're like, got it okay um so she starts daydreaming again i'm feeling herself you know she's really excited so she like closes her eyes and she's now thinking about jim and oh. he's in like a fancy white tux with his single rose, and he's a just like tux. smoldering directly at her. Sure, but they're like, I think he's like in an alleyway. They're walking down an alley, and he gives her a rose, mm-hmm. and then he starts doing her favorite thing, kissing her neck. <gasps> oh. it's every every guy has done that so far. Yep. Um, so he's like kissing all up on her neck and she's like mm-hmm. loving on it. And then he pulls out a switchblade and cracks it open and then stabs her in the gut. Stab, 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 Wait. Do both of our episodes feature Jack the Ripper? <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> this is the Jack 1980s. The <laughs> Descendant of Jack the Ripper. Yep. Buck the Ripper. Got it. I figured it out. Okay. So in her vision, he stabs her with a switchblade. Got it. Yeah. And then so she like wakes up in the bath screaming. Sure. Like, ah. Um, question next. Uh, what does she do now in life? And what do you do? Okay. So she's in the bathtub. You know what? Hand in hand. We are going to go talk to that cop that we met at the tree and be like, shit's going kooky. That's two half points. Ooh, okay. Cut to the police at her apartment. But there's one detective that's like sitting down asking her questions. And like the other guy, the one that we met at the tree, is just kind of like hovering from around the corner a little bit. Okay. Okay. Um, and you know, she's trying to tell them what happened. And the detective is like, calm down, calm down. You're being hysterical. You're being so hysterical. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, no, like I'm having visions of like the carnation killer. He's going to kill someone in an alley. It's an alleyway that has a bunch of graffiti on it. Whoa, 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 whoa. Themes. Themes. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. 
Um, also my Judith just brought me Taco Bell. That's my Best Rose. Judith ever. Yeah. He's a great, he's a great Judith. Okay. Taco Bell. Mm-hmm. Um, so did it. Oh, she's like, look, all I know is he's going to kill someone like in an alley near some graffiti. And the cop is like, look, even if I like knew, even, even if I believed you basically, like, <laughs> yeah. what do you want me to do with that information? And I was sure. like, honestly, fair, fair question. Like that is fair. We clearly live in a big city. Like I bet there's a lot of alleyways with graffiti. Yeah. Yeah. That is fair. So if like, if you, you could identify a specific piece of graffiti, perhaps, but yeah, if you're just saying graffiti, I can't do anything with that. Yeah. So he's like, what do you want me to do with that information? And she's like, I don't know. Stop it. Look into it. Jill. I don't know. Jill, 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 Jill. Okay. And the detective is like, neither do I. Um, Jill. <laughs> I don't know so OG, we didn't need it. OG lieutenant from the mm-hmm. tree over in the corner is like, I believe uh-huh. you. Oh. And Jill's like, why? And he says, maybe I got an aunt who believes in psychics. Or maybe I saw the way you acted in the park the other day. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Take another, take another oh, drag. Did uh, you see? Did you see his face in your? Oh, did you see his face? Thing? Did I? In the recent one, I it, like fully saw his face. Okay, it great. Jim. Okay, I just want to make sure it wasn't like a suggestion scene. of. It was okay. Straight fully up, Jim, looking at you. POV. What's up? Here's your rose. Stab, stab, stab. Stab, stab, <laughs> stab. Stops of faces. Okay. Um. But she's like, yeah, but it was the face of a friend. It's not the murderer. It was just the, someone that I was thinking about when I had the daydream. Because she was like, I was thwacking the bean to Jimbo. Yeah. And then the old murder vision struck through. So yeah. she's like, my wires got crossed. My wires got crossed. But also, like, Basically. you literally met Jim, like, the once. Like, that's not – you can't – Listen, if you've only met a guy once, you can't promise yourself that you're not thwacking the bean to a murderer. You got to meet him a couple more times to know. (sighs) Sorry, Kim, did I fuck some shit up for you? I'm so sorry. Wow, that's, that's, I'm so sorry. Something I needed to hear in life. I am so sorry I got too real. I, I guess I'm not sorry that I got too real though. Wow. I guess I did need to say that, but like, I'm sorry it happened in a public forum. So yeah. about it that way before, but you're, you're yeah. not wrong. You're not wrong. No. Yeah. 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 You, you may in your life have thwacked the bean to a murderer possibly by accident. It's very upsetting. But me too. But me too. But me too. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Walter. Okay. I appreciate it. You're always there for me. I know. I love you, Judith. So I love you too. <laughs> so but basically the Lieutenant is like, okay, but you saw the alley. Like, would you recognize it? Okay. Okay. And Judith, J- Jill is like, <laughs> <laughs> got Judith yeah. on the mind. Yeah. Jill is like, I don't, I don't. <laughs> No, Jill. <laughs> guys, I'm stone cold sober. Jill is like, I just want all of this to be over. And sure. Lieutenant is like, so do I, lady. 
<laughs> believe me. And I was like, don't call okay, me guy. <laughs> yeah, I don't what like it. <laughs> yeah, don't call me lady. I don't that like was it. a quote. <laughs> I, so I do I, lady? <laughs> <laughs> Next time I'm, I'm annoyed at you, I'm going to be like, okay, lady. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cut to Jill and the lieutenant driving around looking for alleys. Okay. Driving forever. Jill is like, this is hopeless. And he's like, let's just go for a couple more blocks. And mm-hmm. Jill's like, I can't go on. Why are you pushing me? And Lieutenant says, maybe I believe in you. Or maybe I just like looking at you. Sir, that's unprofessional. Once okay. again, it appears to be a cute moment. Like he keeps glancing over like, oh, <laughs> see once how again. I flirted with you there? Did you see that flirting? Thank you. Honestly, thank you so much because you keep explaining the tone to me and that's useful because I'm infuriated, but the tone is telling me that I shouldn't be. Okay, got Uh it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Okay, got it. Cut to more driving, 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 driving. And she's like, stop. And they get out and look at the graffiti in this alley and it like written in like big white letters. It says, innocence suffer. And she like gets out and starts to look around and she's like, I don't know, like it feels the same, but no, no, it's not here. (laughs) Jill, keep it together, please. And the lieutenant is like, we'll keep looking. We'll keep looking. And she's like, why? What's the point? Jill. And the lieutenant's like, take it it easy. Take it easy. It's going to be all right. And then we hear kind of like honking in the distance, like, and she's like, what's that? And he's like. (laughs) It's just the ship down the docks. And then he like caresses her face. But like, I don't know, when like my lips move, it doesn't feel like great. No, that feels like a a pawing, a a a smushing, He's if like, you will. It's just the ships down the docks. Yeah, Kim, I'm not gonna lie, you look smushed right and now. Then he's like, come on. And she looks at him like all scared, like. And he's like, what? And so she's like staring up at him, like in the alley Mm -hmm. in front of graffiti. Mm -hmm. And he's like, what? And then it's like a quick flash of like back flashback to like Jim with the rose and the (gasps) tucks in the alley with the graffiti. And like they're alone, obviously. And then it's like a quick shot to like the stabbing and the (gasps) stabbing. He's in front of a wall that says innocent suffering. No, we saw it. We saw it. But it's different it is different it's not the exact same writing okay different handwriting you mean uh yeah 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 yeah. okay got it it's just they're both one's like white bubble letters and the other's like black bubble letters sure got it wasn't the best graffiti job (laughs) um (laughs) so lieutenant's like what what like are you seeing something Next question. What do you do? What does she do? I don't really like Jill anymore. Um, so it's tough to embody her. Yeah. Uh, she's no Judith. Luckily. No. She's not a Judith. Um, but also it's a lot of due to the filmmaking. The, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. I think Jill... Say the question to me again. So she's 
getting scared. Mm-hmm. She's like flash. He's like, you know, gently caressing her face in the most like adorable Smushing way because he uh-huh. like, likes looking at her, you know? Uh-huh. Um, so it's really sweet. Uh, and so, but she's like getting like the flash of like remembering what happened in the, in the murder. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, are you seeing something? Okay. Then I am going to be like, yes. Can you stop pawing my face? Cause I'm trying to fucking concentrate. Um, but also like stop pawing my face period. Um, hand in hand. I think she's like, I'm I- I'm trying to concentrate. I'm seeing something. Uh, I'll give a point for you. Okay, thanks. She runs away. Jill. <laughs> because she's like, like basically what's flashing is exa- like this man is standing directly in front of her in a graffiti alley. And then it's flashing into like the graffiti alley murder. I hear you. Okay. I hear what you're saying. So she's like, ah, 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 run. okay. That she's like, are you about to murder me? Okay, I see what you're saying. I'll I'll give it to you, Jill. That's that's what she was feeling. I'll give it to you. Yeah. Next question. What does she decide to do now? Uh, uh, so you know where her headspace is now. She's fucking terrified. Sure. Jill's weird to me. Um, I, I'm going to send her to Pizza Guy. Pizza Guy feels like this red herring that I need to investigate. So I'm going to send her to Pizza Guy. I, um, I'm going to uh, um, investigate new security systems for my home. And then... Wait for you. Thank you. She goes... To a payphone. No. Why? And calls. Calls. The one. The. Only. Only. Jim. She calls Jim. Cut. She calls Jim, huh? She calls Jim. She calls Jim. Do you want to to take a second to, to soak that in? She calls Jim. I do. Does everyone need a moment? I think we only, Yeah. Uh, okay. So Jill, Jill makes weird choices. Okay. All right. Continue. I'm ready. Okay. Cut to Jill waiting outside of like a restaurant or something. And then Jill, Jim Mm. comes up behind her Uh and hugs her. And she's like, he's like, why don't we go somewhere and talk this over? (laughs) So he takes her, they start walking down an alley. And she's like, he's like, don't worry, we're going to get you home and get you some brandy. And as we're walking down the alley, we see innocence suffer. And it's the fucking alley. Oh, Jill, the dream. Jill, she stares at Jim like, fuck. And Jim's like, Jill, what's wrong? And then against the wall, we see like a shadow of like Jim stabbing her, but it's, mm-hmm. it's again just like her, like a vision kind of seeing yeah. it. So Jill just like backs up and it's like more flashes of like her vision of like um, Jim with the rose and the tux. Yeah. And then Jill backs up like against the wall and Jim is like, Jill, what is it? And then it's a flash of like Jim stabbing her. And so Jill screams. What does she do? What do you do? 
I'm running away from the innocence of suffering forever and running back to the police station. Uh, what does she do? So she's like in the alley and having the vision. And Jim is like, like, what's wrong? Okay. Does she like seek comfort from Jim in some way? Point for you. Okay. She runs away. Oh, okay, Jill. You know what? I apologize. I was judging you too quickly and not giving you the benefit of the doubt. Okay. She's like, I'm fucking scared. Oh my God. So she's like running and Jim is like, like, what the fuck is happening? Sure. Um, And chases after and is like, Jill. (laughs) And so then Jill gets out of the alley. So she's running next to like the waterfront. So she's running and like screaming. And um, Jim is chasing after her being like, Jill, Jill. And finally Jim catches up to her and he grabs her. And (laughs) Jim is like, it's all right. Like, it's all right. It's Jim. Like I'm Jim. And he like takes off his glasses Mind you, side note, I'm glad I watched this twice because at first every single man in this looked exactly the same. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know if you are the lieutenant, are you the same person, are you the glasses guy? And then there's like a Clark Kent situation where you're taking off your glasses now. So I'm supposed to like know something different. No, they were all separate humans. So all separate humans. Okay. They were okay. all separate humans. But like the first time I was truly like, I don't understand what's happening because there's <laughs> visions of things and every man looks the same. Too confusing. Yeah. So they all look like Roddy Roddy Piper. Sure, sure. So <laughs> minus the guilt. Wait, is this the same episode as Roddy Roddy Piper? Is this they live? So <laughs> he's like, no, no, no. Like, it's me. Like, calm down. Like, it's me. It's Jim. Like, takes off yeah. his glasses and Jill's like screaming. And Jim kind of like grabs her and like shakes her and is like, it's all right. It's all right. Like, it's Jim. It's just Jim. It's okay. It's okay. And so Jill like calms down and Jill is like, hold me. And then she nuzzles into him and hugs him. Sure. And so Jim hugs her back and is like, it's all right. It's all right. Uh, Final question. Uh Uh-huh. What does Jill say? And what do you say? I say, I don't know you. And I'm going through something. So I'm going to go home, regroup, maybe call my therapist. I uh, I have some things to work out. I don't know if they have to do with you or not, but they certainly have to do with me. And I need to work these out. What does she do? Maybe she nuzzles in and says, I'm so scared. And like really leans into it. I'm going to give a half a point to you. Really? Okay. She says... Make love to me. No. (laughs) Make love. I'm sorry, I died. Make love to me. She says it three times. Twice. She's twice. Say it actually twice. And so he, on the other side of the hug, is like sparkly eyes. Like okay, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah. Cut to the two of them walking away through like a busy kind of like bumbling artsy sidewalk, you know, where lots is going on in the city and they end up walking past um, a little flower shop 
and Jim kind of like moves her to the side so we can get a little closer to the flowers. And as they walk by, he nonchalantly grabs a white carnation and hides it behind his back. Oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, for fuck's sake. Cut to our friend, the hitchhiker. Okay. Jill McGinnis found out what she needed inside of herself, isolated from the real world, until she became troubled by what she saw in these dreams, frightened and confused. It was hard to decide who to turn to, but in the end, it's the little things that counts, as he grabs himself a carnation and... Credits. Kim? Can I ask a quick question? Please, please, my love. Um, what did I just watch? <laughs> uh, you watched the tale of um, someone hating women uh-huh. and um, writing it into an HBO show. Okay, maybe that's what I that's that's what I thought, but I just <laughs> wanted to make sure. That that so so the moral of the story is women can't be trusted and are crazy. I have no idea what the moral of the story is, but yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Let's go with that. Okay. Wow, Jill, Would you are make love to me. I your soul left your body. Yeah, my soul left my body. My soul. You know what Jill is not left. My body. Judith? Before I say She's it. not a Judith. Yeah. She, no, she's not a Judith. No. She is no Judith. Holy no bananas. Judith. This show, this particular Campfire Tales will be titled Judith or No Judith. <laughs> that is what it will be. Huh? Do you want to be a Judith or a Jill? Hmm. We should all be Judiths. We should all be that yeah, is the moral. Yeah. Always strive to be a Judith, you know? That was, um, wow. Home box office of 1988. You have learned a lot since then. And you know what? We commend evolution. We are never going to tell you to stop evolving. We're going to tell you to learn from your mistakes, like this story, and do better. Which I know you have. It was rough. <laughs> How did I do? Terribly is my prediction. Uh, you <laughs> not good. On life support. I, I so, picked everybody to be dead, and I did. don't recall a single person that's dead. Everyone's alive. Yeah, yeah everyone's yeah, alive. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Dead or alive, you got one out of five. Sure. Questions, you got eight and a half out of twenty. For Shut a total of nine and a half out of 25. <laughs> well, Campfire Tales audience, I can tell you right now that in the 132 episodes we have done of KK Sam, that one is the <laughs> worst score we have ever had. So you're welcome and good night. Thank you so you much. You saw it here first. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I have to say this. I picked these two. A, I wanted to find episodes that had um, 
relationship or couples as some kind of uh, central part of the episode. Yeah. But also, so the veil um, was such, it, it never even got a chance to see if it would be successful. Which yeah, because it was only one season. It wasn't even. It never got aired. Yeah, it never aired. Yeah, wow. the veil never aired. So it, it wasn't seen by actual normal eyes until years later after the fact. Um, but conversely, the hitchhiker was extraordinarily successful yeah. and was on for eight long years. Wow. Um, Interesting. Wow. Interesting. It ended up moving from HBO to the USA Network. It was a big hit in the UK as well under the title Deadly Premonitions or something like that. Um, <laughs> but it was so trashy. Yeah. So it was basically no. like uh, HBO's Red Shoe Diaries, if anyone remembers that. And I just, I just could not choose this. But I mean, like. It's perfect. I mean, the, yeah. the, the juxtaposition of these two episodes where mine took place in the 19 fucking 50s and we had a Judith. <laughs> and then fucking 30 years later we had this trash yeah like yeah. that's incredible yeah and it did yield huge names so uh kim as you were mentioning the uh the writer of this went on to make huge things huge uh, things. other guest stars in other episodes <laughs> include like bill paxton helen hunt um um oh my gosh willem dafoe uh, it goes on and on and on. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 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 So, There's like uh, Kirstie Alley up in there. Kirstie Alley. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh, that one's, that one's, yeah, that one's pretty bad too. It well, was a pretty, it was a pretty terrible show. <laughs> I gotta say, Miguel, like, obviously Kim and I are like choosing movies for our episode on our own. So like, there's not necessarily going to be a theme to them. Occasionally there's a through line that Kim and I don't even anticipate. Um, but the idea that you pair our episodes together and a, we don't have to choose them that I particularly love. Yes. Um, Thank you so much for doing that. Yeah. It is so fucking fun, especially uh-huh. because just to reiterate everybody, Kim and I do not know what the other one, we have no even inkling of anything about what the episode is going to be the, that the other one has. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes it really fun. I have one question about uh, doing this in the future. So as I was kind of going, racking my brain, trying to figure out what I was going to pick for you, there are some things I'd love to pick for you, but they're not part of an anthology. So it would be like one episode of a series that might be like, say, a monster of the week. So it does kind of attach to a larger arc, but is still kind of its self-contained. Would that work for you? Or uh, would I have I to th- give you a little synopsis of who these characters are and what their overall motivations are. Or? Yeah, I think depending on the show, like, here's what I would say, and not to talk like so much nitty gritty business, but I would say like that would require like, yeah, for the person telling it to know what the backstory is. And right. if that's like easily accessible, then yes. Oh, I can make everything easily accessible. That's my, yeah, and provide it. Uh, and I did want, like, the audience to hear some of this uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. because uh, Also, as long as it's, like, one of those ones where, like, there's things to do, the like, questions yeah. to ask kind of thing. You know what yeah. I mean? There need, to be, yeah. there need to be decisions that are bad. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or decisions that are good. Occasionally, we have characters where we're like, okay, uh, queen. 
Yeah. I love it. But like, for instance, if I were to use an example, like if you were to say both of us have seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but like in that you could be like, Buffy's a vampire slayer. Then she has her, this is her watcher. And these are her friends. Like that would be fine. I think. Yeah. That kind of thing. I love it. All right. Well, that, that, that will inform future decisions. Uh, Of course. I'd love to do this more. Hopefully uh, people who've been paying attention, we have a lot of the same folks who've been here from the last episode. So hopefully they would like to see more. Uh, Lauren, do you have anything you want to add? Um, I want to say that there's a dog. Um, <laughs> oh, baby. Um, I also want to say that I think there was an unanticipated um, link between your two episodes and it was premonitions. And yes. that was really interesting. That was. Yes. I love it. Um, it may have been anticipated I, by someone, but <laughs> I wish Even I make had it clear in the comments. I was <laughs> <laughs> well, hoping uh, I wake up with premonitions one day. I would love it. I, I will remind everybody uh, and record this for posterity. But um, this podcast, this podcast, is on every week and Wednesday, and there is a Patreon where you get extra stuff, including. Uh, the post-mortem uh, yes. uh, breakdowns of episodes. So anytime, one of the most fun things about the episodes is uh, when you come upon information that you just don't know. <laughs> Which is almost every episode. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the post-mortems uh, add a lot to that. So <laughs> really can't get a full experience without the Patreon, which is brilliant. Well done, by the way. Well, Miguel, we love you so, so fucking much. And um, we just love doing these. So we we will, we'll be back. All right. Yeah. Thank you, Governor. (laughs) Oh, well, Uh, Jeffrey Alderman did say he wanted to hear Brit accents from all, but I will not be. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Cheerio. This is great. Uh, we love doing this. Uh, Emery Iggins. Emery <laughs> Iggins. You can find us wherever you listen to ye old podcasts. Uh, we're also on the old Instagram. At and the old Twitter podcast. And the old Facebook. The old new ones at KKSTC podcast. <laughs> Cheerio. Yeah. Go, uh, yeah. Goodbye. Pay attention to our our Instagram. We have been promoting the new podcast and these podcasts. So if you're ever wondering, you will find it there too. And tomorrow I will see everybody at the Q and A's one at 3.30 PM. The next at 8 PM. Good night. May ye all be blessed with fires taller than the the land that (laughs) you can imagine. Good night. Good night. Good night.